We're continuing in this book, and we've been at it for four years, okay? This is number, uh, I think, 96 that we're going to be looking at today, 96 sermons on the Gospel of John. And if you're here for the first time, this is what we do. As Christians, we study the Word of God because God brings it to us and helps us understand it. As we continue this, I want to bring us to these two verses because singularly, this, these two verses give you the entire reason for why John wrote his gospel. Now, note this. There are four gospels. What's the first one? What's the second one? Next. And this is the fourth. The first three are different than the latter. Okay? The first three are called synoptic gospels, and that simply means that these books are similar in what they're giving you as far as information is concerned. John is totally different than the other ones. So John gives us, in fact, these first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, were written probably between 15 to 20 years following the death of Christ. John's writing 60 years later, 60 to 70 years later, the death of Christ, and he's giving us a gospel. And he's, so he's written this whole book out, and then in these two verses tells us why he has written this gospel. So the whole church is understood. They've had three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for 60 years. They understand what happened. They understand the, the ideas that went that took place. And then John, in around 95 AD, writes this gospel. And at this point in the gospel, he gives to us why he wrote it. So let's read it again. Let's look at it. Verse 30, John 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs. So I circled three words in these two verses signs, believe, and life. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. What? Yes, he did so many signs, so many things, I can't put them all in. In fact, you're in chapter 20. Look at chapter 21 and look at verse 25, the last verse of the Gospel of John. He says this, And there are many other things that Jesus did which... If they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And he ends the book. So that's where he tells us all of the things that, that Jesus did. We can't put them out there. There's just so many things. In fact, there are many treasures in the Gospel of John that the first three Gospels didn't tell. So what are these signs, back to uh, chapter 20 and verse 30, what are these signs that were done in the presence of the disciples and are not written in the book? Well, I put them on your notes up there, but let's just kind of look through them. You're in chapter 20. Let's go back to chapter 2 and just look at it. John chapter 2, we have the water turned to wine. Now, what's the story there? Where are they at? What is the setting? What's happening? It's, it's a wedding, right? And so they go out, they, they, they don't have enough wine for everybody that's there. And uh, Jesus' mom comes up to him and says, hey, they don't have any wine. And he goes, that's not my problem. Basically says that. And then the, the mom um, who knows him says, whatever he tells you to do, do. 
And so he takes water and he turns them into wine. Now, that's a, and you can read that. And I want you to read this. Some of you who don't know the Lord this morning or that you know of the Lord, these are signs that prove the fact that this is someone who is different from everybody else. Okay? So in these verses, in verses 1 to 12, he takes water and he turns it into wine. People don't, be, people don't do that. I couldn't do that here. I couldn't, I couldn't bring up water and all of a sudden pray over it and then all of a sudden becomes wine. I couldn't do that. Jesus did that. And John is trying to say, in fact, there's seven of these. It's very, 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 very interesting that in this, in this book he has seven miracles that he shows or signs that show that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, you're in chapter 2. So he goes through the new birth in chapter 3, and then he gets to chapter 4. Let's look there. Chapter 4, verses 46 to 54. A nobleman comes up, running up to him. When he came to the Cana of Galilee, when he heard this nobleman was, um, heard that Jesus had come out of, Galilee into, out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, he was at the point of death so here's a guy who has a father comes running up to christ and says you got to heal my son you got to heal my son and john is writing about this and tells him what happened look at verse 54 if you will this is the second sign jesus did when he had come out of judea the water of the wine is first sign this is the second sign when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Let's go to the third one, next chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. You have a man that's healed by Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. What happens there? Jesus walks into this place, and I've been there, I've seen it. Walks into this place, there's, there's scores of people there. And they're there because if they run into the water when it gets troubled or it gets uh, term, uh, turned up, they jump in, supposedly they would be, they would be healed and so Jesus goes to him and says, you know, hey, uh, what's up? And he says, well, every time I want to go, um, somebody else jumps in in front of me. And so he heals them there. And this is the third sign. He heals them. He just says, stand up and walk. So we got water turning into wine. We've got a, a nobleman's son who is ready to die gets healed we have a man who hasn't walked for years 38 years in infirmity jesus heals him three signs given by john chapter six look at chapter six verses one to five one of my favorite stories feeding of the five thousand so jesus is out in the wilderness all these people are out watching they need to be fed disciples say we don't got enough food Jesus said, I love it. Jesus goes, you feed them. <laughs> By the way, don't, don't be, there are tons of things that the Lord's going to give to you. You have no way of doing without him. And so he says to them, feed them. Now, question, did they feed those 5,000? In fact, if you've got 5,000 men there, you probably have a, let's say, 4,000 women there or 6,000 women there. And you got kids there, so you're way over 10,000. Did they get fed? Who gave them the food? We say God did, right, but who literally gave them the food? The disciples. So that's what Jesus, go ahead, you feed them. 
Don't ever, don't ever look away from what God can do with the humble. And so what happens in these verses is that Jesus takes the loaves, verse 11, and as he given them, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to those who were sitting down and the fish. And how many baskets did they have left over? Twelve. Twelve. When God's in the mix, there's always an abundance. Look at chapter 6 and verse 16. Here's another sign. So what transpires is when he is out with his disciples and they're all alone. Verse 15. Evening came, his disciples, verse 16. Uh, John 6, 16. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to sea and he got in the boat and went over to the Sea of Galilee. And it was dark and Jesus had not come with them. Then the sea rose up, it was blowing in the wind. And they had rowed about, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Who does that? The king of the universe does that. Another sign, walking on the water. Look at chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. Man born blind receives sight. This one is a, a, a sweet one, because this man is quite a theologian. But the Lord heals him who is born blind. You can read that story, verses 1 to 12. But then the, the one that I love to measure in is in chapter 11, if you'll turn there, the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Seven different signs, seven different times where Jesus showed himself to be who he is, the Son of God. And I would encourage you to remember these seven because when your faith grows slow or grow, grows low, remember this, always focus upon Christ. Focus upon what he is, not on what you can and cannot do. So the signs back in, in John 20, the signs are mentioning there, all seven of them also has seven major uh, discourses by Jesus that you can find those in seven I am claims. We've looked at those. These are signs that are given by John so that you would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, I want to target a little bit back to John 20, and I want to target this word belief. If you were asked most of the Americans, do you believe in Jesus Christ? What's their answer? Question, can you believe in Jesus? Be careful with this one. It's a trick question. Can you believe in Jesus and not be saved? Is there any group of people, or excuse me, group of beings that believe that there's a Jesus, but they're not saved? The demons. James. You ever read that in the book of James? Even the devils believe. And what? They shudder. They go into heaven? No. So you can believe that Jesus Christ, do they believe, do the demons know that there is a God? Oh yeah. Do they know where God is? Yes. Do they believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. What's the difference then? 
How come they believe that? It's, and it's, they know that there is a God. They know that there is Jesus. They know about the Holy Spirit. They know all of that stuff. How come they're in hell? Because there's a difference between belief in the way that we think and trust. Do any of those demons trust God? Not one of them. Do they want to commit themselves to God? No. Here's your difference. Here's your difference. When, when John said here that these things are written that you may believe, that's biblical belief. And what that means is the combination of I believe this is true and I commit myself to it. See the difference? You can believe that is true and be right, but you're not committing to it. Let me give you an illustration. My father was a medical doctor who wanted to cut on me all my life. He had done surgery on every person in the family but me. And I was 13, and he came to me and said, Son, uh, it's about time for you to take out the appendix. I said, My appendix is fine. He goes, No, you know, if you were to go somewhere and get away from civilization and live in a very desolate place, and you have, you have your, your appendix could rupture and you'd die. I mean, he's having this conversation with me. I'm a 13-year-old. I said, Dad, my appendix is fine. It told me it's fine. It said that to me. He goes, he laughed and said, no, 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 I think we do need to take it. I said, Dad, you're not going to do that. No. My appendix is going to say, he said, I'll, he literally said this. Hey, I'll give you two for one. I'll take out your tonsils and your appendix at the same time. Lit- trying t- a 13-year-old. I said, no, it's all staying. It's all fine, okay? Did I believe my dad could do surgery? Yes. Did I want him to do surgery on me? No. Was I wise? Thank you, thank you, all right? First, first time somebody told me I was wise about that. Okay, but my dad, after he was a surgeon, became a pilot. And my dad would always say, hey, come on, come in the plane and, and, and fly with me. That's, I believe, I love my dad. I, my dad was a neat guy, he's in heaven right now. Uh, loved him dearly. I don't know about his flying skills. I mean, so that was a concern. Well, he flies out to my high school, he's in California, he flies out to my high school uh, graduation to pick me up so he can fly me back to California. And I remember going to the Cessna 210. I'm literally going to get in this plane. See, you could say to me, I believe in planes. I believe that they fly. I believe that you can fly. Get in the plane. No. See the difference? I can believe that anybody and everybody can do that. John is a pilot. He was, he was in Top Gun stuff, all right? All that fancy, fancy things that they do in Top Gun that I know nothing about, all right? He used to do that. He, used to, he, was a, he wasn't the pilot. No, he was the guy that sat back that shot all the, the guns. Kind of like that, all right? So Jonathan comes to me, or you can even use Ian. Ian comes to me. 
Now, this would be really interesting. Which one do you want to fly with? I think I want to go over here. Okay. So they could come to you and say, do you believe in flying? And you say, yes. Do you believe that other people can fly and go places? Yes. Or will you come fly? No. I'm not going to do that. My mother, I have a wife. Did you know that? I have a wife. And she will never get in a plane because I was, I was going to get a pilot's license. I said, and then we could fly all around her. She says, you can fly all around you want. She'd never get in the plane with me. That's true. See, so I'm not preaching this up. So you can believe that it can work for some, but not commit yourself to it. That's what it is with Jesus. You can believe that there is Jesus Christ lived and died. That's, that's factual, historical fact. You can believe that and not commit yourself to it. See the difference? And there's tons of people that do that. You may be here this morning saying, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ lived and died. I believe, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, you, yeah, I think he resurrected from the grave. Okay, I get that. Do you want to give your life to him? No. See, there's your difference. When you as a person say, I believe that and I will give my life to it, that's your difference. And there's a ton of people who will say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm not giving my life to him. Because when you give your life to him, what transpires is it changes. It's transformed. It's different. Understand this? And that's what he means when he sits here and says, and these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God. So all of those things were written so that you might believe. But then he goes a third thing. And that believing, here's the key, you may have life in his name. And that's not just, I mean, we're living right now. Every person that's on this earth is living. He's talking about eternal life. So I've, I've, I've given you some, some verses there. Let's look at them. John chapter 17 and verse 3. And this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and, the, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is praying this in John chapter 17. And he is saying, and this is eternal life. You want a definition of eternal life? Right here. That they may know you. Eternal life is knowing God. It's just not living forever. It's knowing God. Because you're going to have people in hell that do not know God. But they're going to be living forever. I should say better, they're going to be dying forever. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and 25 that I've, I've given you there. And this is the promise that he has promised us. This is the promise, he said. This is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. 1 John five eleven, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And the final one, 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, his Son, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, and he equates God with eternal life. Eternal life, not eternal death. Please hear me this morning. 
you may come here and say, hey, I, I go to church all the time. You may believe, you, you may be, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I, I have gone to church since I've been a kid. Let me ask this question to you. How many in here have gone to church since you've been a kid? Put your hand up. Okay. How many of you, oh, keep those hands up just for a second. How many of you who raised your hand right now, your hands up and said, I, I've gone to church since I was a kid, got saved later in life? Keep your hands up. See that? And what I mean by later, I'd say after teenage years or something. But you came to the Lord afterwards. Brothers and sisters, listen, coming to church doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You can go to church every single day of your life and still not know God as your Savior. Salvation comes when your life is changed and transformed and you say, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. There's your change. So, verbalize answer. Is the Christian life easy? Didn't get any yes that I heard of. It's all no. Is the Christian life difficult at times? Is the Christian life hard at times? And I've never met in all my years a person who is a Christian, truly a Christian, and doesn't want to be. You know, that was a dumb decision. I shouldn't have gotten saved. Never have found that. But it changes your life, makes you a different person. So, let me ask you a question. Are these two verses true in your life? I want to ask this, and I'm going to ask this of the congregation, because a little bit while we're going to have testimonies. And I want to hear, I want to hear from your lips the things in your life that God has brought as signs in your life. How has God shown up in your life? That's my question. How has God shown up in your life? Okay? We'll see that in just a moment. But are these true in your life? Have I seen signs from God in my life? Think about that. Second question, do you truly believe in Jesus Christ? so that your life is changed and different. And the last question there on your page, do I have eternal life right now? Because when does eternal life start? For you and me. As soon as you come to know Jesus Christ, right? So right now, this guy, by God's grace, has eternal life. I'm not waiting to get to that. I have it right now. Because it's Jesus Christ, amen? It's God the Father, okay? So ask yourself those questions, do you know? And I, I want to say to you also with this, it's not arrogance to say, I know that I'm going to go to heaven. That's, that's not arrogant. Please, what I'm going to say in the next two, three minutes are extremely important. You can be saved and assured of your salvation. You can be saved and not assured of your salvation. Get that? You can be unsaved and be assured that you're saved. I meet them all the time. 
individuals, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. Their life is not assured. And you can be unsaved and know I'm unsaved. There's four different ways. Assurance and salvation are different from one another. Assurance is different from salvation, conversion. 1 John, the entire book was written so that you could know that you're saved. Whole book. So read it. Five chapters, it'll take you about 15, 20 minutes. Five chapters so that you might know you're saved. But you might be here saying, you know what, I really don't know. My encouragement to you is, all you, have to, all you have to do is say, God, I want to know you. I know I'm a sinner. I want to know you. I, I want to repent of my sin. I want to know you. And he comes in, changes you, and makes you a new person. Let's pray. Father, would you take the words of your scripture and apply them into the heart of all of us so that we might be able to walk with you each day of our life here and for all of eternity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. I ask you to save those who need your salvation here today. And I ask for your glory to be seen. For I prayed in Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Okay.